You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Southern Fried Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics. Tide 100.9 FM, Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard, north in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. And it is that time of year. Time to start thinking ahead to the summer months. That's right. Time to do that. And if you've got that young person that you think might enjoy a chocolate camp, they can take care of that for you there at Peterbrook Chocolatier, 205-752-0211. Get that gal, that little guy, get them involved in a summer camp they'll never forget. The one right there at Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard. North, joined on the program by the executive producer of Southern Fried Sports, Jacob Harrison, and together we combine to form the 60 by the blue of Sports Talk Radio. Jacob Harrison, how are you doing on this Thursday morning? I'm doing pretty good, doing pretty good. Uh, got, getting a little confidence in my smoke screen with Justin Fields throwing again for the oh, 49ers staff. Oh, I was going to get into that. And as we've talked about, even if that wasn't the case, Jacob, as we've, as we've tried to, to get across here, I think pretty adamantly, you got to stay with the smoke screen. I mean, because once you call the smoke screen, you got to be willing to die on that hill for that smoke screen. And I did see that. I did see where Justin Fields has organized a second pro day and Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are expected to be in attendance. So I knew that gave you a little juice. I knew that lifted you up just a little bit, just a little bit. Made, made the air a little bit thicker up on this hill. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little, a little smokier, a little smokier for that smoke screen. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Going to be a lot of intrigue, you got to think, maybe heading up to that. Uh, once you get past two, I mean, we all anticipate course trevor lawrence going to our jacksonville jaguars number one overall and then uh you know the jets they're going with zach wilson at number two and number three right is kind of where this draft starts as of right now anyway we'll see how it goes but uh mac jones i see here jacob we talked about cleveland ohio hosting the 2021 nfl draft and i see where the first group of attendees uh who are expected who have accepted invites to be on hand for the draft coming up later in the month spills over into the first day or two of May as well. Mac Jones, um, you're going to have Devontae Smith, uh, Christian Barmore, and Patrick Sertan II. Four Alabama players have accepted invites to be at, on hand for that draft. Uh I guess of the four, Jacob, do you have a little concern about Christian Barmore being green room guy, you know, being at the draft? Because you see Christian in all these different mocks from anywhere from the first round to maybe into the 40s. That's probably my concern of the Alabama guys early on in looking at this accepted invitee list is that Christian Barmore might end up sitting around for a little while. I I, I don't know. I think he's a first rounder. I think that uh, you know a lot of what I've seen since he accepted his invite is a lot of people saying the NFL is higher on him 
than maybe the mocks. The, you know the mocks in the media and who who am I going to trust a little bit more? <laughs> you know the NFL <laughs> or you know the mock draft guys. Uh, you know the NFL got it completely different than than the mock guys expected last year. You know what I trust? I trust positional value, and that's where uh, if I'm Christian Barmore, who do you think would have greater green room extended green room dam, uh, danger? Christian Barmore or Najee Harris? Speaking of positional value, who do you think Jacob would be most in danger of being in that? unenviable position of just kind of Brady Quinn years ago, right? Even Aaron Rodgers sitting around waiting to have that name called. Well, between the two, I would go Barmore. I, I, I think Najee probably has a home at 18, but he's not making it past 24. Uh, okay. <laughs> he's going to Pittsburgh if he's available, I think. Uh, Barmore can be anywhere between be 20 and 32. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be interesting. But you do have that out there for you where the draft is concerned. And, you know, you've got Alabama spring football practice. We've got another scrimmage upon us at Bryant-Denny Stadium on Saturday afternoon. We'll have to see how the weather plays in all this in the next couple of days. You heard from Nick Saban post-practice following Wednesday's workout over there off Bryant Drive. We'll get into some of his post-practice comments. He was asked specifically about some guys, Jalen Moody, the senior inside linebacker among them. Sounds like Jalen Moody. We talk so much about Henry Toa Toa and the possibility of Toa Toa eventually being a part of the Alabama program pending next week's D1 Council rubber stamp. At least that's what it is expected to happen where the one-time transfer rule is concerned and then for the leagues to pretty much follow suit where the intra-conference transfer rules are concerned. But you know, it just sounds like Jalen Moody isn't ready to take a back seat to anyone. And you saw enough of him in 2020 when an emphasis on that Arkansas game last December where he was forced into action following the injury to Christian Harris looked really good. Looked really good. And so Moody appears to be coming into his own to go along with Christian Harris. The more the merrier, right? Look, you know, if it works out that you add Henry Toa Toa as well, great. But again... With uh, Moody continuing to develop nicely under the tutelage of inside linebackers coach and defensive coordinator Pete Golding, who, by the way, was the primary recruiter on Jalen Moody, who was pretty much an afterthought. When you go back to the 2018 recruiting class and look at where Jalen Moody stacked up among Alabama signees in that group, he was third from the bottom in terms of the rankings the two guys he was ahead of, Skylar DeLong, the punter, who has since left the program, had his struggles, as we know, trying to fill that big right shoe of J.K. Scott. No one was going to do that, but it seemed especially tough for Skylar DeLong. Uh, and then Lane Hatcher, a late ad at the quarterback position. That's the two guys that Jalen Moody, in terms of the rankings, the 24-7 sports composite rankings, uh, was listed ahead of. And, um, you know, he's seen action in each of his three years, been mostly special teams, more at linebacker a year ago, seemed to kind of separate himself from the pack, at least where weak side linebacker was concerned. You know, we'll see from a depth perspective, Alabama in a great spot at inside linebacker because Shane Lee's a guy that played a ton two years ago. Uh, he can step in there at the Mike linebacker position if you need him to. Jalen Moody can probably play both uh, inside and weak side or middle and weak side. Uh, so you got some good options there. And uh, Jalen Moody appears to be at the forefront of those to go along with Christian Harris. 205-342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. If you would like to jump on board with us, we'd love to hear from you. Speaking of the draft, we are going to talk with my neighbor and good pal. Chase Goodbread of NFL.com coming up in the very next segment. If you haven't, you need to go read Chase's long-form piece on Mac Jones. It dropped yesterday over at NFL.com. Now, look, if you cover Alabama, you're a hardcore Alabama fan, there is some things that you're already readily aware of, kind of that relationship that Mac had. Uh, during his time at Alabama with Nick Saban and the McEnroe references and 
trying to manage his emotions, but there's some really good nuggets in there as well that Chase was able to unearth, including one in which that win over Michigan in the uh, Citrus Bowl on New Year's Day 2020, Mac took a big shot after the play. It was actually ruled as a late hit and flagged as a late hit on Mac Jones. And it was such a shot that Mac Jones apparently had one of his molars split into pieces, according to Chase's reporting. According to uh, Mac Hereford, former uh, Alabama wide receiver that uh, Chase talked to for the piece, and split Mac Jones' molar into pieces. He goes over to the bench. He's spitting up blood and chunks of a tooth. And the hit was such, came with such force that the patch, the bowl patch that Alabama um, had on his jerseys, Mac Jones's was split in half, torn in half by the hit from Aiden Hutchinson, the Michigan defensive end. Uh, and apparently Mac just took the, what was left of it and ripped it off and threw it down and Jeff Allen and the training staff attempted to tend to Mac Jones and uh, come out on the field, and Mac's yelling at him to stay off the field, and he didn't miss a play. And uh, you talk about some moments that solidify yourself as the guy, the dude. Yeah, I'd say that was one of them for Mac Jones. But we'll talk with Chase about Mac Jones. We're also going to ask Chase for his thoughts on this uh, Devontae Smith deal, as it's become known here on Southern Fried Sports. The Devontae Smith deal, Jacob Harrison. Because, again, we talk about Christian Barmore and how he's perceived maybe by the mock industry and how perhaps the clubs themselves actually view him. And you wonder the same thing about Devontae Smith at this point, right? I mean, when you look at mocks here of late, the trend for Devontae Smith is to be moving down boards, whether it's Daniel Jeremiah, whether it's pick pick a mockster. You can pick him. Um, but it, it, I'm going to ask Chase. We'll ask Chase. You know, what's the vibe maybe within the league with clubs, with uh, decision makers? What's real, I guess, is what we're going to ask with Devontae Smith. Also, from the Alabama Athletic Department last night, you had the Alabama baseball team dropping a 5-3 to three decision to La Monroe. ULM came in here. Remember, the Tuesday game was canceled, so it was just a single game yesterday. And Alabama, in a bit of a malaise right now on the baseball diamond. It's on to Texas A&M for the weekend. Alabama very much in need of a series win. At two and seven in SEC play, so uh, just seems like when it's not hitting, this team doesn't pitch exceptionally well. And then when it seems to pitch well enough, especially against a midweek opponent, it can't score enough. Just having a tough time right now. Alabama baseball, sort of bringing it all together. We'll see how it goes starting out at Texas A&M coming up over the weekend as well. Two zero five three four two. 9904, of course, it is Masters Thursday. We love it. You know we love it. We love the pro golf on the cable here on the program. And from the Alabama perspective, you got Michael Thompson. Michael Thompson went out in the very first twosome of the day. You had the ceremonial tee shots uh, by Jack Nicholas, of course. Um you also had Gary Player, the Black Knight, alongside Jack. Of course, you used to have Arnold Palmer before he passed away. It's kind of completing that that trio here in the modern era. But it was also special this morning because, as we talked about on the show yesterday, Lee Elder, the first African-American to participate in the Masters Tournament, he joined Jack Nicklaus uh, and Gary Player there on the first tee versus, and then right after that, uh, Michael Thompson went off in his twosome, and Michael had a little bit of an up-and-down morning, but when it was all said and done, and given the scores that we're seeing, now Hideki Matsuyama is balling right now. He just eagled number eight, and so he is three under through eight. But for the most part, rather tame the scoring. So Michael Thompson, 
he's two over. He was two over through 12. But then he eagles the par 5 13th. That's where you got to make your money there on the back nine, on those two par 5s, 13 and 15. And then he birdied the par 5 15th. So he was three under through two uh, holes. Yeah, three under through three holes there from 13 to to 15. And that got him into red, red figures from two over to one under. He bogeyed 17, part 18. He gets in at even par 72. You'll take that, so far at least. Uh, because, again, it doesn't look like Augusta National is just being shredded by this early wave on the opening day of the 2021 Masters. Uh, you're going to have Justin Thomas, Alabama alum of some note, as we know, going off at 1248 Central. So he'll be in your... He'll be in your afternoon television window, as they like to say. JT will be. You know, I'm told that maybe Polo has tried to come back to Justin Thomas on multiple occasions now and sort of reconnect that relationship. You know, Justin had the remarks out in, I guess it was Hawaii, that cost him the sponsorship he had, the apparel deal he had with Polo, um, but I'm told anyway, industry source, industry source, I'm being told by, that Polo has since come back to Justin on multiple occasions to maybe try to mend that, uh, again, reconnect, pick back up with that relationship. And from what I'm told, Justin has told Polo uh, he's moving on, not interested. Also out there at Augusta National Golf Club, in addition to Matsuyama at three under, Kevin Kisner. Former George Bulldog. That's a home game for Kevin Kisner. I mean, he lives right down the street from Augusta National Golf Club. Kevin Kisner is two under through 10. So we'll keep you up to date on the scoring throughout the program from Augusta National Golf Club today as well. Going to step aside, though, for our first break. When we come back, Chase Goodbread, NFL.com. We'll talk about that long-form piece. Bit of an advantage for Chase Goodbread, by the way on that long form with Mac Jones because he, like Mac Jones and myself, Jacksonville, Florida natives. So Chase, more so than anyone that's done these type of things involving Mac, has a a really good feel for Mac's background, kind of where he comes from, definitely understands where Mac came from from a high school perspective, like myself. Uh, Chase, former preps writer down there at the Florida Times Union in Jacksonville, covered the bowl school extensively for years and, more specifically, former and late bowls head coach Corky Rogers. So, as we've talked about, and when we had Mac on this program after he committed to Alabama years ago, uh, making that adjustment from the demands uh, that he was going to encounter from a coach like Nick Saban – he had already experienced that with uh, Charles Buxton, Corky Rogers, the fourth down there at the bowl school. We'll talk with Chase when Southern Fry Sports returns on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports and it's brought to you by SunSouth John Deere, the preferred tractor equipment for Alabama athletics. Visit sunsouth.com or any of their 21 locations across the southeast. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama's Luisa Blanco was voted the Women's Collegiate Gymnastics Association Region 1 Gymnast of the Year by the Coaches Association announced on Tuesday. Blanco discusses what's led to her success this season. I think it's just the consistency in the gym. We talk about numbers and hitting your average. And ultimately, we've done a really good job in preparation. So um, it, it feels really good to have all that hard work pay off at the meet. So going up on whatever apparatus, bars, beam, bolt, or floor, and, you know, thinking this is a national championship routine. And, you know, you build and you build and you build and you get that confidence that, you know, you try to have at the meets. So that's probably the biggest key. I'll have more in a moment. 
Have you priced a new John Deere tractor lately? SunSouth John Deere has a full line of affordable lawn and tractor equipment this season. SunSouth John Deere has an affordable roster for everyone, from riding mowers to utility vehicles and lots of tractors. Stop by any of the 21 locations across Alabama, Mississippi, and Georgia, or visit sunsouth.com to find out what is right for you. Any budget, any project, SunSouth has you covered. Proud to be the preferred tractor equipment dealer of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Join us Thursday afternoon for Crimson Drive on the CTSN Facebook page. Streaming live at 2 p.m. Central, we'll have conversations with Alabama men's basketball assistant coach Brian Hodgson, plus SEC Gymnast of the Year Luisa Blanco and Director of Athletics Greg Byrne. That's Crimson Drive this afternoon at 2 p.m. Central on the CTSN Facebook page. And that's your BAM update. Crimson Tide Today brought to you by Sun South John Deere. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports... Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A very warm afternoon. The sky partially sunny, the high 84. Tonight becoming cloudy, a chance of developing showers. Maybe a thunderstorm in spots, the low 62. Tomorrow, cloudy at times. A few passing showers and strong storms with a high at 79. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 73 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com. Or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. It's a little Ben Folds 5. It gets you going. Get you headed in the right direction as the weekend approaches. We're going to head to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line right now and check in with our good pal and good neighbor, Chase Goodbread, busy individual this time of year, busy all year, but specifically with the draft looming here in the next couple of weeks. Chase Goodbread, as we talked about in the opening segment of today's program, dropped an absolute beauty at NFL.com on Wednesday, a long-form deep dive into Mac Jones, the Alabama quarterback destined for what appears to be, perhaps anyway, Jacob Harrison says it's all a smokescreen. We'll ask Chase about that, too. Maybe the number three overall pick by the San Francisco 49ers. Chase with an outstanding profile of Mac. And, Chase, I got to say, though, and I said this at the end of the first segment, home field advantage for you in that one, my friend. You know that lay of the land where Mac comes from. I do. Uh, It was was kind of funny kind of pursuing that story and talking to some people that around him that he knows has played for his, his family, et cetera. And, and kind of letting them know, yeah, I've, I've, I've been around, it's been a long, grew up in Jacksonville, covered high school football, knew Bulls, knew Corky Rogers and knew the Alabama program pretty well too, from having covered it. So Mac was, um, a long, long way behind me in, on those trails. But, uh, <laughs> but I was, I was at least somewhat familiar with him. Yeah, good Brett back in the day. He 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 widened those trails, I would say, even. You know, Chase Goodbread back in the day. But um But it was uh is a great read, as we talked about. We we touched on the the uh the the portion about the fractured molar uh and the went over Michigan and the citrus bowl and you know, I guess if there was a shame in all of it, and I'm sure you probably feel the same way. I know you would have loved to have talked to his former high school coach, Corky Rogers, in depth about, you know, their relationship back in his high school days. Um, and, of course, unfortunately, Corky passed away here in the last year and a half or so. He would have been one of my first calls. There's no doubt about it. And it would have been good to catch up to him, too, because I hadn't talked to him at all since, um, you know, since I moved from Jacksonville to Tuscaloosa in 2007. Uh, but, yeah, I, I was able to track down a couple of, assistants anyway, Wayne Belger, who of course was a, a long, long time assistant for 
Corky Rogers. He is now uh, retired. Uh, I was catching up with him. He was spending some time in in North Carolina when I got a hold of him. And uh, Kevin Fagan was the quarterback coach at the time. And uh, my understanding, Travis, was, was that Kevin Fagan was uh, a quote necessary buffer between Corky <laughs> and Mac. I can see Fagan being that. In fact, I've known Kevin Fagan so long growing up on the west side of Jacksonville like we both did. He was a Normandy guy. I was a Lakeshore guy. I've known Kevin long enough to know that his nickname growing up was Booger. So, you know, that's a, that's a little depth there with Kevin. But no doubt, and I, I think, you know, you covered my younger brother at Bowles. I think the relationship between him and Corky and a lot of these quarterbacks in general and the late Corky Rogers is probably pretty similar. In other words, I see that you gathered from Mac, and maybe this had something to do with him being seemingly totally comfortable with his place and in, in things as soon as he got at Alabama. Was that he had if, if he had dealt and, and excelled and held up under Corky Rogers, it, it probably wasn't going to be that huge of an adjustment for him going to a, even a place like Alabama, Nick Saban. No, and and sometimes when you when you go down that route, you, you get shrugs from people, which I guess is understandable because millions of people know who Nick Saban is, and and Corky Rogers was a local coach. But people kind of kind of snicker at that a little bit, and so oh, no high school coach could be as rough on a guy as Nick Saban. Well, yeah, they could. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, I can tell you that. Yes, yes. <laughs> so um, yeah, and really, one thing I I was able to kind of ascertain is that the relationship between Corky and Mac in high school took a turn after his junior year. And uh, I think their relationship and the trust level really grew a great deal Mac's senior year, which turned out to be Rogers last year as a coach. And not unlike the relationship with Saban took a turn a little bit um, toward the end. Now I think Nick Saban had some pretty good trust in, in Mac Jones by 2019, which would have been his junior year. But the point being, uh, that eventually Mac Jones uh, turned both of those guys into into fans of his. You also got into in the piece the issue, the situation Mac had off the field early on in his time at Alabama. He was uh, charged uh, with a DUI, and um, you know from what it, it reads like and what you were able to gather, if there was kind of a recentering, I guess you could say, of Mac Jones at that point. Uh, that situation, that mistake had a lot to do with it, it sounds like. It, it was a turning point for him, too. I think he started to take things a little bit more seriously. And, and you know, this didn't make the story, but from what I'm told, that he, he knocked out his community service hours at, at a local soup kitchen in Tuscaloosa really quickly. Uh, you know, like within two or three weeks, he was done. Uh, but the soup kitchen experience um, made enough of an impact on him that he kept going back. Um, so, you know, that's certainly impressive. Obviously you, you would, you would think a lot of guys, um, you know, would bolt, you know, as soon as, as soon as the bell rang when it comes to, uh, state mandated community service. But, uh, uh, Jones knows the people over there at that soup kitchen pretty well. And, and, uh, from what I understand, um, still stays in touch with one or two of them. You, uh, dive right into the piece. And if you haven't seen it already, you need to check it out. Jokes on You, featuring Mac Jones, authored by Chase Goodbread. Again, you can find it right now at NFL.com. You go right into sort of the origination of the Joker moniker that Mac Jones took on and went into depth with one of his former teammates, Reggie Pettibone, who was an offensive lineman at Alabama before transferring uh, to Illinois. And I guess a lot of that has to do with with Mac's demeanor and uh, and things like that, but also just a guy. It sounds like anyway, Chase. That unusual in that even before he was Mac Jones, a guy that seemed just to beloved by his teammates in general. And so you talk about the intangibles of how many times we heard Nick Saban say it, winning the team. Um. It, it sounded like by the time Matt got his opportunity, he, he had already done that. 
Yeah, the players loved him. There's no doubt, and and of course the scout team loved him first, and and the first team defense didn't love him for a while. I've I've, I've talked to Keith Holcomb as well for the story, and and uh, he 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 said uh, Mac, Mac would take a bump even in the black jersey every once in a while when he when he would <laughs> annoy that that first string defense when he was on the on the scout team. But yeah, he he had certainly won the team and won the locker room by. 2019, I think there was a lot of confidence in him the minute Tua Tungvaloa got hurt. It didn't take um, it didn't take his play after that point uh, for the team to be sold on him. And and you know, of course, that Auburn loss at the end of that season was one that stuck with him. There were a couple of interceptions, of course, that that went back for touchdowns. Uh, but you know, as as was noted in the story. He put him back on top on the scoreboard after both of those pick sixes, and mm-hmm. uh, you know the his teammates. I don't think uh, wavered at all in their confidence in him after that. You know, it seems like the uh, the practice stories involving Mac Jones and Nick Saban are just going to grow in legend uh, as the years go by. It, it, it's already happening. I know in in your in your long form here. Um, there is at least one other that, that you talked about and some things that Mac would do in practice that as a scout team quarterback, you know, if you're told to throw an interception, even you throw the interception, right? And Mac didn't seem, uh, okay with that. I guess we could say perhaps to the extent where I'm sure Nick Saban appreciated Mac's unwillingness to just give it up, so to speak. Uh, but when you're the scout team quarterback, sometimes that's what you're asked to do. But Mac uh, kind of flew in the face of that, it sounds like. Yeah, uh, to, in Nick Saban's eyes, a scout team quarterback throwing the ball out of bounds to throw it away is basically aborting the rep, right? So, yeah, you know, he, he, he wants a live rep for those DBs, and he's not too worried about whether that ball is going to be completed or not. So, uh, certainly, uh, Mac <laughs> – Mac didn't uh, didn't see it that way, and and uh, he would he would chuck it off that mouth more. But supposedly he he would not only throw it out of bounds, but just throw it. He he throw it so the so whoever had to chase it had to run as far as he would have to run. Oh. You know, possibly make that guy run. He made him ran after after those balls. So uh, yeah, that that I can see that getting old for for Nick Saban and the hard counts. Travis he hard counted that first. <laughs> Draw that first team defense offside. Yeah. yeah, Nick didn't like that so good in 2018, but he liked it real good in 2020, you know, when, when Mac was actually in there. I think he appreciated it more um, this past season than he did a couple of years ago when Mac was engineering that offense. Mac, uh, Mac, not the scout team quarterback, to give your defense a look that you might want it sometimes, I guess is a way of saying it, too. Give you a good look in terms of his competitiveness and his accuracy, but uh, uh, not just going to roll over for anybody, Mac Jones. Hey, Chase, uh, as we look ahead to the end of the month, and our own Jacob Harrison here, executive producer of Southern Fried Sports, he's convinced the 49ers and Mac at three is a smokescreen. It won't be Mac Jones for the 49ers. How do you kind of envision these events, uh, what's what's come up here in the last week or two with Mac and the the 49ers? Well, whether they take – here's what I'll tell you. He may be right. It may be a smokescreen. But it ain't a smoke screen that they're moving up to take a quarterback. And yeah, yeah. I can tell you this, San Francisco moving up, whether they pick Mac Jones or not, probably puts money in Mac Jones' pocket, right? Because if they take somebody else, if they take a Trey Lance, a Ju- you know, if it goes Lawrence and, and, and Wilson 1-2 and the, and the Niners take Lance or they take Fields, all that does is move Mac Jones up one spot for the next team that needs one. So it could get him drafted faster by, you know, by the Niners moving sure. up. So, yeah. Um, you know, the Falcons, they might not, they might be ready to move on from Matt Ryan or at least get somebody in place behind Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. So they could turn around and take a quarterback. So it, it's, these quarterbacks are going to go, they always go fast, but they might go faster than ever in this draft. Yeah. You got Daniel Jeremiah, I guess, in his most recent mock had, five in the top seven or eight and yeah if if three quarterbacks go one two three and the falcons are sitting there at four even if they don't want to take a quarterback it's going to increase the sense of urgency that for another club that does 
and you know they may get a nice bounty to move out of four, so somebody else can come up there and, and take one of those uh, couple of remaining quarterbacks. What about Devontae Smith? While we're talking about narratives and sort of perception, and a guy that seems to be more far ranging in terms of where he might ultimately go, when he might ultimately go in this draft. Um, Jamar Chase, obviously, some recency bias, and, and also the guy's a hell of a prospect, by the way. Um, but but what he was able to do at LSU Pro Day recently certainly helped him. You would think. What's 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 real in your opinion, or, or what you've been able to gather with Devontae Smith right now? I think he's gone in the top half of the first round. I think that's pretty safe. I, I, I it gets a little dicey if you try to start predicting him. You know, top five or, or somewhere right behind that area. Um, he could he could go top ten easily. I, I think if he doesn't go top ten, though, it's it's not going to take long. It's not unlike the quarterback situation, right, where they're just going to go bang, bang, bang right out of the gate. It could go quarterback, 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 receiver, receiver, receiver. You know, right at the top because mm-hmm. you got you got Kyle Pitts, who the NFL looks like looks at as a receiver and a great one. Yeah. Um, You've got Jamar Chase, as you mentioned. You got Jalen Waddle from Alabama. You got Devontae Smith. Hard to say where Smith is going to fall in there. It seems like Pitts and, and, and Chase are regarded by most teams, I think, a little bit ahead of Devontae Smith. Uh, so I'd be a little surprised if he went in front of those two guys. But again, if the top out of the top 10 picks of the draft, you might see seven of them either be a quarterback or a receiver. So wow. maybe eight. Who, who who knows? So those uh, uh, the battery, as they call it in baseball, Travis. It's uh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be flying off the board pretty fast. In this era of football, man, it's amazing to see what the value of the receiver position has done. I mean, it's always been important, but I said this a few years ago. If it were up to me these days, with how the game is played and how it is also officiated so much in favor of the offensive side of the ball. If you give me the choice of, say, a Jamar Chase or a Patrick Sertan the second at corner, right now, with the way the game is played, Chase, Chase, don't you almost have to go wide receiver if it comes down to it? I think I, I hear what you're saying that that if you with the way it's officiated and, and and the way these quarterbacks are so so good now with these back shoulder throws and, and threading these needles, I hear you. You can't play the, corner anymore. You can't really play corner in the NFL with the with the with the five yard penalty and all the things that are working against you. It's tough, man. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. The, the flip side, though, to that argument, of course, is that cornerbacks are often in short supply in, in the NFL draft, even at the top, mm-hmm. and, and wide receivers are usually in heavy supply. And so yeah. from a from, from if you look at it from a supply-demand type of perspective, um, I mean, I you know, you better get somebody that can, that can do something with these guys, right, at the cornerback position, and it's tough. But uh, the drop-off from the top five wide receivers in this draft to the second-best five, it didn't, mm-hmm. didn't give me anything like the drop-off from the top five corners to the next five. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Uh, you got some guys from this Alabama perspective in this draft. It's Again, the Devontae does seem safe for the first half of the first round, uh, like you're saying. But, uh, you know, I see where you guys updated yesterday the Alabama invitees that have accepted those invites for, you know, the draft and Cleveland coming up and, we talked about it earlier in the program, a guy that you worry about in terms of being, um, you know, green room guy for, for 2021 is Christian Barmore. And, you know, Jacob had a good point about, well, you know, it, it may it may be that the clubs view Christian Barmore differently than maybe some of the mocks that some of the mocks you see Christian Barmore down in the 40s overall. But then, uh, you know, the positional value that comes into play with him, I guess, Chase and you know the, the the what that position looks like for this crop, I guess could could push him up. A lot of positional value for sure, and a and a bad year for defensive tackles in the draft, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, if you think back to, you know, there was a year, and I want to say I'm a little fuzzy. I want to say it was 2016 where the defensive tackle crop was just insane. I mean, there were there were 
top 100 caliber defensive tackles all over the place, and it pushed A'shaun Robinson and Jaron Reed into second-round picks. A'shaun Robinson and Jaron Reed would both be first-round picks in this draft. Uh, that, that's, in my opinion, that's how light I think it looks at that position, uh, which certainly could, could help Christian Barmore. But, yeah, like you said, it's tough to sit in that green room on the back end, Travis. Usually the guy – Usually they only bring one suit to the to the draft, mm-hmm. Travis, instead of two because Landon Collins, if they, Landon Collins, yeah. right? Two thousand fifteen had that one suit, one suit and, and gone. They don't like to stick around and uh, and hang around that green room on the second day. They're they're usually gone uh, with a little bit of disappointment, unfortunately, if if they don't go in the first round. But you but you admire and respect certainly the guys that do hang around and and uh, you know soak it up after being a second-round pick because there's nothing wrong with that either. No, worked out okay for Landon. He got to that second deal quicker, that's for sure. Um, he, uh, it's right. With the four years instead of the five. So, uh, And Landon did come back, right, that second day in that same suit and uh, was, I think, the first guy off the board in the second round. I think uh, they traded up for him, as a matter of fact, the Giants. The Giants, yeah. yeah, you're right. Hey, Chase, man, appreciate the time. Absolutely great stuff with Mac Jones. And, of course, uh, Chase does great work at NFL.com. We do our podcast together, Talking Tide, which you can find anywhere you consume podcasts. And um, Crimson Cover, outstanding television here in Tuscaloosa and beyond. You can find that outstanding program with Chase, the mayor, Mike Parker, and, of course, John Copeland, legendary Alabama football player. Thanks, Chase. All right, Travis. See you, man. There he goes, Chase Goodbread, outstanding, long-form author more recently here on Mac Jones. Again, get the NFL.com, check out that piece today. Going to head to a break. When we come back, more of a Thursday edition of Southern Pride Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. FM. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com with me. Weekdays from 11 a.m. until noon. Got a few red numbers over there at Augusta National Golf Club as we get the opening round of the 2021 Masters Tournament into full swing. Hideki Matsuyama, 3 under through 10. Webb Simpson on a little bit of a heater here as he closes out his opening nine. Birdies at seven and eight. He's now at two under. Two under. Henrik Stinson with that bomber three wood. He's one under through 15. So uh, John Rahm now out on the golf course. He's one under through seven. New Papa, new proud popper, John Rahm. Patrick Reed, he of the preferred lies, preferred lies, Patrick Reed, one under through six. So uh, you've got red numbers over there in the opening round, but nothing staggering as of yet. Matsuyama at three under through ten, he's he's building on potentially something special to get this uh, 2021 Masters underway. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. Thanks again to Chase Goodbread of NFL.com, Crimson Cover Television. Of course, the Talk and Tide podcast with yours truly as well. What about it, Jacob Harrison? I asked him about your 49ers smokescreen, and uh, he didn't he didn't exactly throw throw a water. You know, he didn't exactly extinguish that thought. 
of a smokescreen. I mean, he did say what we both felt all along, and certainly would seem somewhat obvious. If the Niners are going up to three, it's for a quarterback. Just kind of remains to be seen which exactly of those quarterbacks the 49ers will end up with. So uh, Jacob Harrison's smokescreen, I would say, is uh, holding up pretty well to this point, Jacob. I think I, as a sort of a arbitrator in all this, okay, I see enough evidence to proceed is what I'm saying. I'm not going to dismiss your smokescreen theory at this point. I've got on my robe right now, and I've got my gavel, <laughs> my trusty gavel. And my ruling as of right now is that we will proceed, Jacob, with the smokescreen theory. Well, Jason say a lot different than, than what I've been speculating uh, on my show, You know that, that this does nothing but help Mac Jones. Uh, but oh, yeah. it, it doesn't matter to the 49ers whether it helps Mac Jones or not. The 49ers just need to feel comfortable that they're going to get what they're going to get. And remember, it doesn't always have to make sense because remember last year when the Dolphins were throwing out smoke screens that they were going to trade up and go get a tackle when they never even made a phone call. Like, it was mm-hmm. Tua the whole time, and everybody knew it was Tua the whole time. So it was just a smoke screen for the sake of it just to keep everyone on their toes. And I feel like San Francisco is the same way. They're definitely going to draft a quarterback. They've been openly honest about that. Uh, but they haven't insinuated really one way or the other that that it's Mac Jones just because of the past quarterbacks that that Shanahan's been around, and Shanahan already has the the relationship with Justin Fields. It just it it seemed too perfect to just immediately say, "Oh, it's for Mac." It's just it's not working that way. We're gonna step aside for a final break and just let the smoke. We're gonna let the smoke just sort of encompass you with that. And when we come back, we're gonna put a wrap. On a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports, Nick Saban, pretty interesting comments when asked about third-year safety Jordan Battle following yesterday's practice. You want an example of Nick Saban coaching people up through the media? Yeah, I think that was an example of that. We'll talk about that as we wrap up a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports right after this. It begins. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A very warm afternoon. The sky partially sunny, the high 84. Tonight becoming cloudy, a chance of developing showers. Maybe a thunderstorm in spots, the low 62. Tomorrow, cloudy at times, a few passing showers and strong storms with a high at 79. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 75 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Cool in school. I'm sure you don't remember me. And now it's been 10 years. I'm still wondering who to be. And I'd love to mix in circles, clicks, and social coteries. That's me. Hand me my nose ring. Really be happy. Show me the mosh pit. A Thursday rendition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. We touched on this heading out of the previous break. Nick Saban addressing the media following Wednesday's practice. The Crimson Tide, of course, prepping for Saturday's scrimmage, the second of spring drills for UA. And uh, Nick was asked about Jordan Battle, the third-year safety starter. 2020 on that national championship team more so in relation to battle emerging as one of those defensive leaders and Nick Saban's response I thought was pretty interesting Saban said Jordan battle does a good job he plays a lot of good football but it's kind of up to him as to how he wants to accept the role of leadership how assertive he wants to be people have to earn the right to be leaders They have to do things right themselves. They can't be late for meetings. They can't do things 
They can't not do things exactly right. They have to set a good example for others, and they have to care enough about other people to help them for their benefit. So that's his choice, and that's a lot of players' choice on the team. Do they want to take that responsibility of being a leader? He has done that at times, and I think he would be very good if he chose to do it. Wow. How about that? I'd say the ball is in Jordan Battle's court when it comes to exhibiting the kind of consistency Nick Saban would like to see from an area of the defense where you most certainly have to have an assertive voice. And he's also right. Jordan Battle's played a lot of good football for Alabama. And assuming he takes that next step, where being that definitive voice on the back end is concerned, uh, it's going to be even better. But I get asked about context and the why and how things come across at a Nick Saban press conference. Well, you just, uh, with that comment, you just uh, got to see Nick Saban coaching one of his players. If you wonder what Nick Saban says to a guy like Jordan Battle, when it's just him and Battle in his office, well, that's probably a good example of it right there. That's going to do it for a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Lunch whistle on this Thursday. How about some heat pizza bar? It's ladies night down there at Government Plaza. Downtown Tuscaloosa tonight. Heat pizza bar. Great, great pizza. Nightly specials. All day happy hour on Sunday. No better pizza around than heat pizza bar. Downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Until 11 a.m. on Friday. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody. Can't be happy underground. We can't be happy. We can't be happy underground.